Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. Ladies and gentlemen, the whole gang is here. What? Kyle has arisen from the depths of the Los Angeles music scene and is ready to get back to some Three Stooges-like banter, along with myself and Reese. But not only, not only do we have Kyle back, but we also have a returning friend of the podcast who we have just nicknamed today. Drum roll, please. Oh, I put Cole, whoops. Stone Cold Chief Austin. <laughs> Austin, thanks for joining us again today. Hashtag Cole, Stone Cold Chief Austin. We have four people today. We haven't seen Kyle in I don't know how many months, four months. Kyle's beard looks like it's the beard from the Ten Commandments movie. Kyle, how you been? Oh, wait. I've been fine, man. I've been great. Wait, Kyle's back? I thought we had Ryan Fitzpatrick as the guest star today. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the viewer count. Kyle, Thanks, Kyle's guys. not nearly as smart as, as Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Listen, I can bring the Fitz magic just as well as anybody. Let's not forget what he did for Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah, true that. Yeah. Well, of Indeed. course, of course. Indeed. Bow down to the Fitz magic. I don't think Kyle can can go to those Harvard standards, though. I don't know, man. Friend of the podcast, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I feel like we have to give him like more than friend of the podcast. He has some sort of like, I don't know, like legendary status amongst Kansas City and just by proxy the podcast. Can we like put him in the FCSM pantheon? You know what? Hold on. I got to <laughs> let's, let's figure out how to contact him and just give him all the Patreon stuff for free. Like he's some sort of like grandfathered in friend of the podcast. It's like the opposite of when influencers ask the food truck guy for free stuff. <laughs> We're just going to be foisting our free stuff onto Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's well, like, no, no, it's OK. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. He's like, literally, I don't want it. No, 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 man. Here you go. We love you, man. Yeah. Could you imagine like having Ryan Fitzpatrick on for like a beer review or something like that? (laughs) I bet like Ryan Fitzmagic would like knows everything about beer and would just have a killer beer review. I'm sure he does. The day they benched him for Tua, I'm sure he drank a six pack in the locker room before the game. That dude definitely can drink some beer. Well, it seems like he also might be coming back, though. So we'll we'll, we'll keep our eye on Tua. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, we got a jam-packed show today. Why don't we get started? Today, we're going to be breaking down the long-awaited round four of Mahomes-Brady. Now, this game would either even the score or it would prove that Brady is far superior than Patrick Mahomes. Okay, hold on. I'm getting uh, I'm getting my... Uh, my uh, producers on my ear. Hold on, hold on, Kyle. I'm getting uh, I'm getting my producers in my ear right now. Okay, I'm being told. No one cares that this was round four. <laughs> Tom Brady is old, and Patrick Mahomes is clearly superior. Okay, I got it. I, got it. Okay. I don't know. All right, oh, so why don't we move on? You really from that. set me up. You really teed off on that one. Nice, nice work. <laughs> thanks, thanks. I I wrote that in like three seconds. The Chiefs win a game that looked pretty close on paper, but honestly, it really wasn't. We're gonna break that down. Twenty-seven to twenty-four. That puts the Chiefs at ten and one. Chiefs fans and Roger Goodell are crossing their fingers that the Ravens are at full health for their Wednesday game against the Steelers. And if not, 
no worries. G- Goodell's just going to keep delaying the game until Ravens say, we're ready to go. <laughs> Ravens sign Patrick Mahomes on one day contract. Ravens sign <laughs> Megatron on one game contract. If, if it helps the if it helps the Steelers lose, I will take it. Yeah, true that. Get out of here with your 10-0 Charmin soft Steelers schedule. Jeez Louise. Here's a hot take. The Steelers might lose to a half-strength Baltimore. Oh, dude, you think RG3's got gas Ooh. in the tank to lead, to lead them to victory? It's 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 going to be the Wildcat, like, for 56 straight plays. <laughs> you, you think RG3 can bail her out? Oh. Hey! All right, why don't we go? Why don't we go straight into it? Hey, Kyle, since you're since you're one of the founding members of the podcast, why don't you lead off the uh, shame nun segment? Since you know so much about our new segment, <laughs> here's the thing: I've never liked the shame nun segment. First of all, because <laughs> wait, you actually listen to our podcast when you're not on it? I sure do, buddy. I don't. Holy I, crap! I don't. I I don't appreciate this right now, but I'm gonna take the high road and move past it. So uh, I've never liked the shame none uh, segment, but that's really just because I don't know what it is because I never watched that show. So that's on me. Um, okay, basically, it's just this like none no, in back of no. the lead character Armando, saying shame. That's I know it, what dude. it is. I know what it is. I'm making a point. Oh, <laughs> so. Well, we sure miss Kyle on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You just like to set me up for failure. Why don't you continue leading this episode as you are wanting to do? That's true. That's true. And I will continue to lead. Thank you, Kyle, for for listening to the podcast. I'm just so I'm uh, I'm thankful. Things I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving. Kyle <laughs> listens to the podcast when he's not on it. Love it. <laughs> so here we go into the shame none pod or into the shame none segment. Reese with his cool music. We're just gonna shame one entity today, and don't worry, we're gonna stay NFL centric. You all may have heard that before the Thanksgiving games, one team and one team that we really love here on the podcast had one of their backup quarterbacks get COVID. Well, guess what? Roger Goodell says, all your quarterbacks can't play now. And then we find out later that the three quarterbacks on the Denver Broncos turned their tracing bracelets off and proceeded to like meet somewhere without masks but claimed they were socially distant so today we are shaming the denver broncos and the denver broncos quarterbacks for turning off their like stay at home bracelets to talk about who knows what with jeff driscoll because then what happens they have to bring in a practice squad wide receiver who played quarterback in college um what is his name oops i forgot his name hinton is his last name kendall hinton thank you thank you stone cold chief austin kendall hinton (laughs) came in and gave a horrible performance now not only that but the broncos also tried to get one of their coaches to play quarterback before the game i don't know if you guys heard this no tell me more they actually like put so they actually put in. Oh, actually, Stone Cold Chief Austin. Why don't you? Why don't, why don't you uh, take this one? <laughs> yeah. No, you might have more than me for this, Armando. But they essentially said that that from what, what I read is that he would know the offense better than anyone else and would set them up for the best chance to win the game over anyone else. Because bringing in Kendall Hinton, he had to learn a whole playbook he has no idea about, basically. 
in 24 hours with no on-field practice time because their facility was closed. So he had to learn a full NFL playbook over Zoom meetings, which I believe turned out to be about 20 plays in the end, he said post-game. So, they, yeah, they tried to bring in their assistant coach as a quarterback who knows the whole playbook. I, d- I don't know what position the coach was, if he was an assistant backup quarterback, and back quarterback's coach or what. Tried to bring him in, and NFL said, no, they don't want – they don't want teams to be seeing staff members as potential <laughs> players and essentially using it as a parking lot for 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 players. Not going to lie, that's like a small amount of impressive foresight from this league, which I don't think I ever thought I would say in my life. Roger Goodell does something good. Yeah. So, so, they, so they tried to bring in Rob Calabresi, who was their offensive quality control coach, who has been coaching for the past two years. So not only did they turn their bracelets off, but they tried to bring in a quality control coach to be their quarterback against the the NFC leading New Orleans Saints. Okay, what? out of like out of all seriousness here, I am shocked to hear this. I am dead serious. Why wouldn't you just try and get Elway to suit up for four quarters? I mean, come <laughs> on, he's he's gotta be better, right? <laughs> I can't find a quarterback. Watch this. While we're on the topic of shame, none, this is a Rudy Giuliani level of self-sabotage. <laughs> oh, jeez. Makeup just rolling off his face. This is a burner cell phone, hidden camera, Rudy Giuliani level of self-sabotage by the Denver Broncos. You know, better question, what do you think that Drew Locke and co. were doing that they turned their bracelets off? <laughs> well... Apparently they were like in the in the practice facility because they have footage of them like taking the bracelets off or whatever and masks off. They had to have video evidence. So like they're still at the stadium like they didn't go have Thanksgiving at someone's house. So just super bonehead shame on you Denver Broncos as a Chiefs fan and living in Colorado right now. It is fun to say shame on you Denver just in time for our game next week. I can't wait to see who's actually going to play because I don't know how long they're going to be on protocol. I'm sure Drew Locke's going to play, but we'll see. It's going to be a fun development this week. I mean, Drew Locke said it right where the real losers here are the, are, are the Denver fans. They didn't get to see a game that was even close to competitive because of one dumb move. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. When Drew Locke and co. was saying that that coach knew the playbook better than anybody else, does that include Drew Locke? Because, I mean, he's been playing pretty awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So going into the opposite of shaming, we are praising today the like I keep I love this verb the or the adjective the majesty of the Kansas City Chiefs not only do we praise Patrick Mahomes today but we praise wide receiver Tyreek Hill look at these stats 13 catches for 269 yards an average of 20 yards per carry three touchdowns with the long 75 yard touchdown and a backflip to boot Not only that, but Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey at the end of that game were number one and number two in in receiving yards in the NFL. How ridiculous is that? So today we are praising Tyreek Hill. The floor is to anyone. I want to hear how did Tyreek Hill do that? They know who Tyreek Hill is. The Bucs have supposed to have a good defense. What happened? 
I think it's Bruce Arians isn't as good of a coach as Bruce Arians thinks he is. I mean, why would you not go into this game and try and double Tyree Kill and challenge Sammy Watkins coming off of the injured reserve list to beat them? You know, it's like, why not challenge him? Why not challenge Robinson? Why not challenge McCall Hardman? No, I want to see if Tyree Kill can beat us. And I mean, dude, he didn't just beat him. He beat him like three games worth in one quarter. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. Like they should have come out with a game plan of double teaming Hill and Kelsey and basically playing everyone else, you know, you take your shot man-to-man everywhere else. It's exactly what Tony Romo kept saying, calling the game for CBS. And every time that Mahomes would see Hill one-on-one, boom, long play. I mean, that's how they got that 75-yard touchdown to open a drive. Um, it, it just seemed to work the whole game. 13 receptions on 15 targets, too. I mean, that's a heck of a percentage of high-quality throws to a receiver that you're throwing an average of over 20 yards super catch. They're not high quality or high probability throws every time. It does make me wonder a little bit about the difference between game preparation in the week leading up to this game versus ability to kind of pivot in the middle of the game because they were able to do none of that. It's not only that it looked like they didn't have a game plan to contain Hill and Kelsey, but also it's like they weren't able to adjust after Tyreek dropped 200 plus in the first nine minutes. So I wonder whose fault that is, you know? Speaking of which, can anyone tell me, was that like the first quarter receiving yards record? I mean, it had to be, right? No, it wasn't quite. It was not. It wasn't. Who had it? I have to look it up. But They talked about oh, it my. Yeah, during the game. But yeah, first quarter, he had 203 yards, two touchdowns, seven catches. But I guess that doesn't break the record. I don't know who... Jerry Rice, I assume. I mean, the only game that pops into my head right away is that Randy Moss game where he had like three receptions for three touchdowns against the Cowboys or whatever it was. Remember that? Yep. But that wasn't it. Yeah, I know the record in a game is 336. What? In a game. Oh, in a game. I don't know about the first quarter. So maybe it was the first quarter record. I don't know. That's got to be pretty close. I can't imagine that like pre-defensive neutering era that some guy just like went off and... Got like 250 yards receiving the first quarter. But what do I know? <laughs> well, okay, so I I want to add to this. I don't remember seeing a game where Tyreek Hill is being single covered like the entire first quarter. Like even against awful defenses, they at least have a safety that's shadowing him. But for the entire first quarter, they didn't bring safeties until the second quarter or even the third quarter when they really implemented this different defense but how can you go into this game and think that you can single cover Tyreek Hill not only that but they were single covering Travis Kelsey so I'm not sure what Bruce Arians was thinking just like you said Reese I think this is really proving something about Bruce Arians that he would leave him single covered because after that first drive Pat was like I mean that was that was the very first play that Pat was like okay they're going to single cover you. Just just go on a go route. He was like, go, go, hike. And then boom. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I am a, I am a, what is it called? A, uh, a arm. I am an armchair analyst. And even I know in the safety of my home to double cover Tyreek Hill when he blows you up on the first drive. Well, I can't remember seeing Tyreek and Pat just doing that like pure go route stuff since that preseason game against the Falcons Pat's first year in 2018 when we knew we we're like, oh crap, this is going to be something. I mean, it just seemed like in that first quarter, every play to Tyreek, like you said, was just like, go, I'm going to throw it to you. Just go as fast as you can. And I, I'm going to admit something. At the beginning of this year, up until now, I, uh, I've i blasphemed a little bit. I said, you know what? 
he's been in the league now for what is it, five, six years, Tyreek? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's starting to get to the point where maybe he he's lost a step from being like legit Usain Bolt fast, just like regular fastest guy in the NFL fast. You know, I think maybe the hits, the age is starting to catch up to him a little bit. No, it's just that defenses have learned to like double cover him and they always have like a man up top and not let him blow right by him. And today, I were sorry that game. I was just completely reminded that no, Tyreek Hill really is just that freaking fast. And when you leave him like one on one in an island, yeah, he's the fastest guy, oh, dude. I mean, yeah. it was incredible. I'm sorry, Tyreek Hill. I will I will pay my respects from now on. Moving on to another stat, maybe not an NFL stat, but a fantasy stat, and then I'm going to throw it off to Stone Cold Chief Austin over here. Tyreek Hill had 57.9 fantasy points in full PPR yesterday, second to only another Chief, actually. Can anyone guess who it is? It's got to be Jamal Charles, right? Correct. Jamal Charles, (laughs) 59.5 in his five-game touchdown, or sorry, his five-touchdown game in 2013 so someone here in the podcast Jamal Charles hell yeah um Stone Cold Steve Austin did you have Tyreek Hill on your team and how many points did you win by or how many points do you currently have while this Seattle game's going on yeah no definitely have have Tyreek Hill he was my first round pick with a a pretty low first round draft pick in a 12 team league but we have a slightly different scoring he scored 64.9 for me in my in my league we have a couple bonuses for 40 plus yard touchdowns um, but yeah, I'm currently sitting at over 190 points, going to win by about 65 to 70, and and this should clinch me uh, the division in a in a first round bye for for my league playoffs. So riding high on Tyreek Hill right now, and by far, I mean I've not seen another player score this many points in a game this season. The only the only other performance like this I can think of off the top of my head is the Devontae Adams performance a few weeks ago, where he put up about 50. I've had a few Dalvin Cook and Tyler Lockett games this year where they've scored in the upper 40s, but I don't think we've they've either of them have put anything out near what Tyreek Hill put out that game. It's just insane. Yeah, it was an amazing game. It it proves just like we've talked about this entire season. How do you want it, right? We'll pass it to Tyreek Hill. Okay, you're going to double Tyreek Hill. We'll give it to Travis Kelsey. Okay, you're going to do that. Great. We have CEH. Oh, yeah, and we also have Le'Veon Bell, which we'll talk about all that later. But why don't we – oh, we got one thing. Kyle, go for it. Well, I, I mean, it, we can delay it to later if you want, but that sort of wraps in perfectly to what I kind of observed from this game related to everything since the new era Mahomes Chiefs, right? Where because of the structure of the 10-year contract for Mahomes and these other lengthy contracts for Chris Jones and Kelsey – we had the luxury and, you know, I've sort of been a broken record about this um, so far on this podcast and, you know, since we since we've known each other. But uh, the luxury of these kinds of contracts are that we get to see the evolution of this team kind of e- emerge and shift and wax and wane in different ways. And so it was really awesome in this game, kind of reflecting on it the last 24 hours or so, how stuff we would see in like the 2018 Chiefs that was like. Um, feast or famine, incredible offensive performances, defensive breakdowns that go beyond secondary weakness. I mean, we're, we're seeing Thornhill play consistently better week to week now. There was there, there were a few really good defensive uh, moments in this game against the Bucks. And but 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 even beyond uh, any sort of one moment or performance, offensive or defensive, we're not seeing 
stacked penalties backing us up, you know, 40 yards on a drive, right? We're not seeing... You say that. <laughs> I was going to say, no. this is a perfect segue, Kyle, <laughs> even if you didn't plan it. Keep going, Kyle. No, 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 but se- se- seriously, like, we're not seeing... Uh, like living or dying by the Pat Mahomes long bomb, right? Because that that first strike he hit for 75 yards to Tyreek like blew his previous season record out of the water. I mean, his longest pass was like 52 yards before that. You know, it was like 20 plus. And so we're not we're not seeing this like kind of extreme up and down. And 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 that to me shows that we're becoming a more complete, consistent team. And I love that. Yeah, and that that's just the evolution of Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. Um, you haven't seen you haven't seen as many long throws this year as you have in years past. He he's realizing that the checkdowns and you know running the clock and the shorter plays, keeping the ball in the in the field of play and just running down the field seventy five yards and scoring touchdowns is is a great way to win games rather than doing hail marys. Absolutely. He's playing amazing. We will chat about that in the third segment. I'm looking forward to all that. Let's go back to what Kyle was saying. He had the perfect segue to our other segment that I don't know if Kyle's ever seen referee segment. Have you ever seen that, Kyle? Yes. Also, <laughs> why are you going segment by segment right now? We just did like an awesome, like all encompassing thing of all of it. Just talk about it. Who gives a shit about the segment? Come on. And that's why you haven't been on the podcast very often. So going into no, our second at segment, the beginning of hashtag. this episode, at the beginning of this episode, you roundtabled it. We're like, yeah, just jump in. All right. Hashtag referee segment, because we love segments here at Found City Sports Media. Reese. What the heck is a roughing the passer call anymore in the NFL? What the heck happened? So here's the thing. I'm channeling my inner rage right now. And let me tell you what. I think all three of those roughing the passer calls were very pertinent. That first one on Patrick Mahomes, I didn't see it happen real time. When I saw the replay, I'm like, what is JPP complaining about? It's like you came down and straight up like Dr. Duncanstein windmilled him right in the face. You know, it's like... What do you expect? And then he took his helmet off right after that. That should have been a second personal foul and an automatic ejection from the game. So there's my first raging referees point number one. The ones down on the other end on Frank Clark, dude, you know what? Those were both roughing the passers on Frank Clark. I expect better from him. Chris Jones is kind of the hothead guy, as we saw John with Brady earlier on. Frank Clark. I love that, by the way. Oh, I, I do too. It's like, dude, can we just get round three of like Jones and Tom Brady and just have like Chris <laughs> Jones go like full Ron Artest on him? They can, no. uh, they can go into this, uh, to that fight that happened this weekend with uh, Nate Robinson and that other guy that like knocked Nate out. Oh, they can put, uh, isn't that Logan Paul or Jake, one of the Pauls? <laughs> It's it's his brother, yeah. But like, and whatever it really made me sad because Jake Paul like thinks COVID is a hoax. Yikes! But like, but like, but like, whatever program that is, just put Chris Jones and Tom Brady in it and charge like a hundred bucks. Everyone would pay to see that. Also, <laughs> prayers to Nate Robinson who had three concussions during that in two rounds. Like, dude. dude. Dude, that guy is an explosive bottle rocket of an athlete. Like, how could he not just like Floyd Mayweather himself out of that fight, dude? He got knocked the heck out by the Paul brother, which in my opinion was a Paul Ling. I think people underestimate the ability of rich, lazy white kids to surround themselves with people who can push them to greatness. Well, here's the thing. So... So Paul actually did do some boxing training, which I could see like Robinson was just in there like throwing hands, but like Paul was actually doing some boxing stuff. Yeah. 
So hats off. To- He's a rich, lazy white kid who hired a whole staff to get him ready. Oof. So hats off to Paul for, for being able to do that. So getting back to my initial rage. Hold on. I need, I need to resummon my rage here for the referees. Yeah. So one of the biggest drives of the game, people will point to the Mecole Hardman dropped pass, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But right now we're going to focus on, I think it was the drive after that, which was the same drive that had the first aforementioned roughing the passer penalty on Patrick Mahomes, which immediately the next three plays were all called offensive holding, which set us back to second and 30. Hockley's Jr., whatever your name is, keep it in your pants. Let the boys play. Again, either we're going to have holding on every play or we're going to have holding on no plays. Now, here's here's something that I seriously wanted to bring up to you guys that I thought just like raging in the shower today as I'm, as I'm lathering up with my Duke Cannon Michelob Ultra Soap. Duke Cannon, please sponsor us. So I'm sitting there thinking, subtle. I would much rather have a version of the NFL where the only fouls were personal fouls. And I'm dead serious. Hear me out. So you make pass interference a personal foul, roughing the passer a personal foul, you know, any sort of, you know, misconduct, you know, spitting, taunting, you know, taking off your helmet, all that stuff, personal foul. But you get rid of holding, you get rid of blocks in the back, you get rid of those ticky tacky little fouls. Instead of neutering defenses, you just get rid of a bunch of penalties and let the games play out how they are. Could you guys... Yeah. So sorry to interject, but what happens to holding then if we don't call it? There, there's no holding. Okay, so y- you change the rule of holding to something that is cut and dry. Either like they are wrapped up fully, you know, in some sort of like one arm or two arm embrace, or the person is brought down in the style of holding currently. But none of this like, well, he was he was grabbing him by the pad and keeping him from turning, rada, rada. No, I am talking it is a straight cut or dry penalty you get rid of it could you guys see a future or a potential way that that sort of like restricted refereeing would work and be better in the nfl no we're always a prisoner of the moment if these calls had all gone on on the bucks we'd be happy right i mean Sure, but like even I can be like, yo, that's a BS penalty. Like when Pat Mahomes, you know, what was it against the Patriots earlier this year? We had that like fumble interception thing. Like, well, he was wrapped up, so therefore the play is dead. It's like, no, Pat fumbled that ball. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, You get rid of that crap. After you said that, I'm just like imagining these like sumo, like 500, 600 pound offensive linemen where it's like no longer about physicality and like speed. It's just like how big of a wall can you get? And it's just we just like import all like these people from Somalia that are 700 pounds. Just like I'm going to bear hug you. I, th- I think you mean Samoa. You can try that again. <laughs> oh, I said Somalia. <laughs> <laughs> The Tongans and the Samoans, yeah. Samoans? Uh, three. <laughs> so, so what, okay, let's move away from holding for a second here. They even brought this up, and I can't remember what game it was last week, where I have said this before, that it blows my mind that, like, if you get your finger grazed across, in, like, an offensive player's face mask, it's a 15-yard penalty. But, like, a go-to move for an offensive player is to shove a dude's face mask, like, up to the point that their head is wrenched back. It's like, again... You make any touching of the face mask 15 yards, 
Or you make face masks fair game. You know, you pull back what referees have to call, and these old dudes that are officiating the league won't have to keep up so much, and they won't have so much influence on the game. What I'm getting at through all of this raging is that if you want to look back at the pivot point of that game, it was that drive where we were, I said this three times during that game, I said if we can get one more touchdown on the board, we close the chapter of this book and it is over. But they had those three straight phantom soft holding calls that even Tony Romo was like, I don't see him there, man. That killed our momentum and it let the Bucks back into the game. Yeah, I was I was texting Reese uh, during the game and I was like, this game probably should have been 35 to 10. It should have been what it was like in that fourth quarter because there were a lot of drives where, where Pat looked good. Like literally that entire game, the Bucks did not have an answer for Patrick Mahomes. Like, yes, they had a good front four that was that that was pressuring Pat, but Pratt was Pat was able to adjust to the pressure. And we'll talk about that later as well, I'm sure. But like even like even while this is happening. I was watching some of that Monday game or sorry, the the game that's happening right now. And I was watching like Russell Wilson, like when Russell Wilson snaps the ball, he goes into the pocket where Patrick Mahomes will either stay in the pocket or he'll move left to right, but he'll never like go into the pocket to throw, which is like super interesting. I was just watching Russell and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this is how Pat gets away with like moving from pressure where like Russell went into the pressure, tried to get a throw off and just took the sack where like we rarely see Pat get sacked anymore, even though our offensive line is suspect. Like it just looked like Patrick from quarter one to four still was very good. And we could have put on 35 points throughout the entire game, but you're right. The refs gave us a number there and it was not the number we wanted, but we also benefited to it. Like, uh, uh, Pierre Paul, had that roughing the passer call on us and then like Pat I he, I'm also thinking Pat knew that was going to happen because that was an awful throw by Pat and I was like ooh that I don't have never seen him make that play and I'm also assuming that he knew just like he was going to get that call because uh Pierre Paul's hands were already up when Pat was throwing the ball so I don't know but it looked like that whole thing was ours the entire game yeah, definitely. I mean, we should have been up 24 nothing when when we when we had that fumble and going back to the the Pierre Paul play. I mean, I believe that was that kept the drive alive and I mean, Patrick the second the second that that ball was incomplete, you could just see him pointing. Next play, next play, we got this. And I mean, his intelligence for the game and and knowing what's going to happen before it happens is is fascinating to watch as it's a great time to be a fan of the Chiefs. Dude, Pat really does have a knack for that. Anytime like something weird or stupid happens, and I'm like, Pat, 99% of the time they cut back to him, and he's just, like you said, he's pointing next play, next play. And I'm like, ah, uh, I see. He was playing 4D chess here. If his mom ever finds this podcast, she's going to rail all of us for calling him Pat. Oh, yeah, Patrick. we've been calling yeah, him Pat. True. Sorry, yeah. Mom, Mama Mahomes. We're so sorry. What's the story behind that? Why doesn't she like people calling him Pat? Why does that have to be Patrick? I mean, Patrick's his name. I mean, his dad is his dad is Pat. He is Patrick. If you call him Pat, it's his dad. Yeah. What happened to the old joke? It's like, oh, excuse me, Mister Mahomes is my father. Call me Pat. <laughs> 
I don't know what kind of voice that was. We're just going to move right. on from that. All right. So yeah, no comment. Kyle, Kyle wants to move on. So let's move on to the next segment. Like Kyle loves segmented podcasts. What a beauty we're and, and uh, actually Kyle, to your point, we're going to have a little round table discussion right now so we can make it free flowing. But I want to know from the guys here. Now we can't have the goat conversation yet, right? Because Patrick doesn't have the stats yet for the goat conversation. So we'll have a... I think a, you mean Patrick. Whatever, dude. <laughs> so Patrick Mahomes does not have the stats yet to compare to Tom Brady, and we can't deny that. So we're you know, going to jump in one more time, too. Didn't Patrick just hit 1,500 attempts, which qualifies him for all-time stats? Yes, sir. Correct. Correct. So technically... We can have that conversation. Uh-oh, we're playing Gotcha Media and Hot Take Mondo here. What's going on? <laughs> on yeah. me. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm being hot take right really now. We're really just turning the cannons on Armando because Armando's favorite thing, as, as dear listeners you know, is to talk a huge game and then not be able to take it the other way. Firing, oh, bring it. Bring it, Kyle. I'm going to take you in that celebrity <laughs> match, but I don't want to concuss you like, like Nate did. Dude, Okay. I, I'm I'm issuing this challenge right now. If we can, I love the passion. If we can get 50 Patreon subscribers no. by, uh, let's say next July, which will be our one year anniversary, the undercard for the Tom Brady Chris Jones fight is going to be Hot Take Mondo versus <laughs> Kyle Ryan Fitzpatrick Neg. Oh, dude, let's make it happen, Listen. baby. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, all right, all right. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon for great content, but also some great boxing matches. So now I'm going to flip the conversation Can you again. just imagine for a moment before we move on from this, can you just imagine Armando and I out there just looking like little shrimps with our boxing gloves and like the, you know, the thing that they wear around your face so that you can't get really f***ed up, just like trying to jab at each other. Just a bunch of like yeah. glass Joe looking scrubs out there. You're, you're yeah. just like skinny as hell, and me with like my IPA belly. Like let's let's roll, baby. Let's roll. <laughs> but like we're like you and I just like talking a big game. Yeah, dude. We gotta give the people what they want in that situation. All right. So if we get 50 subscribers in the next week, we will do our best to make that happen on our new Twitter page. Because we have a Twitter, right? If we Reese? get 50 subscribers in the next week, I will drive to Colorado and fight you in your backyard, <laughs> dude. Can we? Hold on. We're gonna we're gonna add a uh, two hundred dollar <laughs> tier right now. It's two hundred dollar subscriber. Yeah. You get you get a front row seat for the uh, the yeah. battle at Boulder. Kyle Nag versus Armando Contreras. <laughs> Oh, COVID friendly. Everybody six feet apart. We'll wear masks. It'll all be sanctioned by the state of Colorado. Of course, of course, of course. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast today, even more so than normal, because we have the Bay Area double feature. Kyle and Austin are kicking it in Oakland right now, and they're each going to be bringing us a beer review today we're so stoked to have the band back together that we just had to express it in words that only come in the form of barley 
hops and water. So I, I'm not going to determine this one. My wisdom of Solomon can't say cut it in half. I'm going to let you guys decide who goes first. So who wants to get in the hot seat and review? A I beer think first? it's probably beyond time that I reviewed a beer live, considering I have never done it, dear listeners. Well, besides in the B-roll for our two Patreon subscribers, shout out. Uh, Wait, but you've really never done a beer review? No, and it's because we've done 26 I'm, episodes. It's because I'm intimidated to do a real one because you guys are beer professionals. A quarter of a year of episodes and you haven't done a beer review? Listen, I'm, I'm sneaky like that. But listen, I'm about guys, to have a heart attack. It's just time that I face my fears <laughs> and understand that it's okay to be worse at something than your friends. Okay, over under most surprising fact, the fact Kyle hasn't done a beer review on an episode or the fact that Russell Wilson Andrew Brees have zero MVPs. Kyle's is definitely more shocking. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Anyway, sorry for the subterfuge, everybody, but, you know, I, I yeah, I just kind of snuck in there. Actually, anyway, today, maybe Kyle, um, maybe maybe Kyle should never do a beer review so that people have to subscribe to Patreon to hear the madness, the craziness, <laughs> the beautifulness of his beer reviews. It's time to face my fears. It's fine. So anyway, face here your comes beers. Let's go. My review of God bless the golden road with the spicy mango card. This is spicy mango card by Golden Road out of L.A. That's pretty exciting. What kind of beer is that? Basically, this is a, a recommendation by Austin. Um, what kind of beer is this? It is a wheat ale, Kyle. It is a wheat yes, ale. Yes, it is a wheat <laughs> ale with mango and natural flavors. We're off to a great start, guys. Okay, here we go. Woo! These schnozberries taste like schnozberries. <laughs> okay, that's enough. That's enough out of you. Okay, lead, lead me through it, guys. T- speak to me as if I were a child. Actually, no, as if I were 21 and of legal age to drink. We're going full Mad Max. He has the mind of a child. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so the B reviews, for those of you that have forgotten at home, we grade on five main criteria with one wildcard criteria. That is aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, aftertaste, and a little something we like to call BDQ. So, Kyle, is your glass ready? My glass is ready. Beer in hand? Yes, sir. Crack her open and let us know what she smells like on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> while I pour, while I uh, pour this beer, I'll let you all know that uh, I had actually my inaugural um, helping from. Oh my God! I'm getting beer onto the. Oh floor. my God! Wow, Kyle's sorry, first beer review picks a beer he doesn't know what it is, just sees mango cart, and now it's all over. Austin's floor. It's not all over. It's like two drops. Oh, sorry. This is a Goya juice. My bad. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, if you guys are oh, done, I missed I, you, Kyle. Uh, I missed you. I had my inaugural helping of fruit from an actual like fruit cart in LA two weeks ago, and it's amazing. Oh my god. There's really? a reason it's famous. So I was kind of excited to try did, this beer. Did, did they okay, have that fruit cart in uh, Highland Park, that like spicy mango? Yes, sir. Was it delicious? Yeah. So good. If you live in Highland yeah, Park, amazing. all our Highland Park people out there that subscribe to the podcast, go to that mango cart. And I mean, it, yeah, amazing. Uh, aroma. Well, I don't get it. It's weird. This is one of those things. You guys ever hear that theory that the only reason that White Claw tastes like White Claw is because of what the can says? <laughs> no. I'm not sure if you were to tie my hands behind my back 
and like force me to smell this and name the fruit, I'm not sure I would say mango without seeing mango on the can. It smells really fruity, but I I would say like, I don't know, pineapple or something before that maybe. I don't know. But also I probably just don't have an advanced palate. Regardless, it, it smells amazing. And because mango was in the forefront of my mind, I think it smells like a delicious mango. I gave it a solid 8 out of 10. All right. 8 out of 10 for the ambiguous tropical fruit smell. All right, so next up on there, what does it look like? What is the color of that beer? That's a great question. So uh, there was probably only about maybe an inch of head when I poured it, and it's already all pretty much gone. Uh, But it's pretty opaque, uh, not super clear, pretty much what you might expect for like a 4% wheat ale. It's maybe like a little more transparent. Um, I... I assume just due to all the other flavors in there. I don't know. I don't really know how to judge that on a scale, but it looks like I would expect a flavored wheat ale to look. So yeah, solid seven out of 10. All right. Got some eight action, got some seven action. Now, now Kyle, before we go into this next one, uh, I must remind you, uh, we, we've talked about the Metzger metric system, correct? Uh, remind me. Allowing decimals that aren't just 0.0 or 0.5. Yeah, you uh, can do 0.1, 0.2, oh, 0.3. Yeah. yeah. By Noah Metzger. Shout out. I'm a round numbers kind of guy, man. Uh, That's not going to be me. I, I see. No, that's okay. That's okay. The the Noah the Metzger metric system doesn't discriminate. All right. So number three on here. We've gone through aroma. We've gone through appearance. What does the mango cart taste like? Do you really get a lot of that mango flavor? Or are you getting more of that woody kind of sun-baked plastic flavor from the cart? First of all, that's very funny. <laughs> Second of all, Austin had sort of prepared me for this before I had this beer, but it's really true. There's like a tripartite experience when you take a drink of this where like the very beginning, it tastes literally as if it were just a mango beer, like super refreshing, really fruity, delicious. And then the spice of the spicy mango cart kind of comes in right at the end and then it lingers for a solid like five, six seconds afterward. It's really good. And I would say that's uh, exactly as advertised. So, yeah, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Sounds good to me. All right, so what is the mouth feel like in your mouth? Is that thing super carbonated? Does it feel heavy? Is it light? Does the wheatiness give it, like, a heft? What you getting there? I would. I, I really appreciate these leading questions because I never know where to start with this. Uh, definitely is not reading as carbonated to me at all. It's, like, really dissipated really soon. Like I said, the head was just gone. Um, it tastes like it really doesn't taste super weedy or have any kind of weight to it at all. It's really, um, I don't know, light and kind of fruit forward. It feels like, so I don't know, maybe seven and a half. I'll break my rule. Good job, Kyle. Seven and a half's cool. All right. So aftertaste, it man goes down smooth, but you know, what's it like upon second opinion? Yeah, well, so this this has to do with like the the bell curve of like I think how quickly you're drinking this beer, right? Because that kind of spicy aftertaste kind of lingers for like five to six seconds after each drink. So if you're drinking it pretty quickly, I think you can err on the spicy side of the spicy mango cart. And if you're sipping this over a period of 20 minutes, it's probably a more mango centric experience. So I'd say for me, just like pretty moderate pace, it's 
it's really consistent, right? Where you get a lot of mango and then a nice spicy aftertaste. So yeah, a solid eight out of 10 again. That's awesome. Now I have to ask, does it say what is spiced with? Is it pepper? Is it jalapeno? Is it habanero? Um, I think all it says is wheat ale with mango and natural flavors. All right. Works for me. So then last but not least, BDQ beverage drinkability quotient. What's the BDQ on that bad boy? I would say this BDQ is absolutely crushable. Ooh. I I really love like I I guess I didn't know that I loved it, right? But like my experience with the mango cart, I had it probably three times in the last two weeks, is amazing. And so I'm like, yeah, I wanna I wanna have this beer. So BDQ is easily an eight. All right. Well, Mango Cart, fantastic beer. And uh, Kyle gives it a very high rating. Very happy to have Kyle back His on here. His first beer review. Woo. Yeah. Isn't that depressing? Well, now, surprising fact number two, uh, Austin, friend of the podcast, is about to do a second beer review for us. And second overall, which would technically double Kyle's beer review total at this point. So it's true. Whop, whop, whop. And very happy, very happy here to have doubled up Kyle at something. Yeah, dude. 25 episodes. Actually, we probably have like 26 by this point. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Well, then, Austin, what beer are you going to be reviewing for our fans today? Woo! Yeah, so I have a, a local brewery out of San Francisco, Cellar Maker, a small microbrewery. I have a hazy IPA of theirs that recently came out called Big Nug, and it kind of has a video game vibe to it. Oh, it's the Dig Dug, guys. That's the joke. Did you play Dig Dug? I do not, but I've, I, I was told this joke last week, yes. That's hilarious. That, dude, I didn't think the 8-bit can art from a tall grass could get beaten, but that beats it. I'm sorry. That beats it. That's some great can art. Yes. I don't get the joke. What's the joke? Big Dug is the game. Yeah, it's a game. Yeah. Huh. And okay. I would assume is is nug. Does it mean it has nugget hops in it? Possibly then. It does not. It uh, it is it is made with Citra, Idaho Seven, and Simcoe. Ooh. Oh wow. That's like the murderer's row of like quality hop right there. So that's gonna be dank. As that's gonna be super dank. Dank AF. So yep. alrighty then. We got a Bay Area special coming in. Uh, pour that bad boy in a glass and let us know what the aroma is like. I mean, the aroma is definitely what you would expect kind of with with a very, very, very dank, hazy IPA. Definitely has kind of those those, those citrusy smells um, that you really enjoy with this kind of beer. And, and I don't want to jump ahead to appearance, but looking at it as I smell it, I mean, it just, it just looks golden and beautiful for a hazy. And so for as far as aroma, I'm going to give it a solid 8 out of 10. And being that I'm a second timer, I'm going to jump ahead to the to the appearance as well and oh. go ahead and give that an 8 out of 10 as well. Oh, my gosh. The crazy 8. Nice. Oh, I love it. Okay, then. So then 1, 2. On the, uh, on the mango meter, how much mango do you get in that one? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great new new category to the beer review. Um Definitely not the kind of mango you get out of a out of a mango forward beer like the, the mango cart, but not as much mango. Um, I struggle to get an exact citrus note. This is exactly what it is, but definitely has that citrus vibe. I just can't put my can't put my nose on exactly which one it is though. 
Armando, if you were trying to do an impression of me with that question, it was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I heard you start to talk and I was like, is that a recording of me? <laughs> That's pretty impressive. All right. So then number three, flavor. What is the flavor on the Big Nug IPA? For for a hazy, it's definitely definitely pretty hop forward, more than you would expect from from a hazy IPA. It definitely has that kind of big hop flavor, and it is it is a seven percent beer, so it is definitely not not light uh, as far as, as the ABV goes. So yeah, the taste is definitely kind of more of a big hop big hop flavor. It gives you all that just what you would expect from when you kind of if you were to mix kind of a standard hazy and a, and a regular kind of IPA, American IPA, you kind of get kind of the mix of those two. With it within kind of on the palate, um, so I'll give the I'll give the flavor a seven out of ten. All right, two eights and a seven. I'm liking where this beer is taking us. Then number four, mouth feel. Is there a big mouth feel to Big Nug? Is there kind of a gravelly feel to Big Nug? Effervescent, warm. What are you picking up on that beer? Yeah, I mean it definitely. I mean definitely kind of has, I mean, not to use the first word you said, but definitely has a big mouth feel compared to the other beer review on the podcast tonight. Very different mouthfeel, in my opinion. This, the spicy mango cart's a much more crisp, refreshing beer. This is a much heavier beer. I mean, you feel like you're you're eating food almost when you're drinking a beer that's this this heavy in taste. What's the ABV on that, by the way? Uh, seven flat, seven point zero. Okay, so it's representing. It's representing. Okay, then number five aftertaste what is the aftertaste like on that ipa is it throwing you any curveballs, or is that kind of the standard aftertaste uh or ipa aftertaste feel yeah no i mean it's, it's kind of the normal aftertaste from from kind of a dank you know ipa leaves a little bit of you know leaves a little bit on the kind of the back of the tongue at, at, on the aftertaste but but not as much as you at a not as much as you would get from others, but definitely, you know, it definitely lingers in your mouth. I would give a, the aftertaste uh, a 6.7 out of 10 to use the decimal scale here. Okay. Hey. All right. Repping that, repping that Metzger metric system. I love it. Then last but not least, the wild card BDQ. Is, is that be your high score or is that thing game over? Yeah, for the for the BDQ of this beer, I mean, I'll give it a solid seven and a half out of ten. Um, it's definitely not a beer that you're going to want to crush in the park in the summer, but on a nice evening with a nice meal or sitting around watching a Chiefs game or other sporting activity, uh, it's a great beer just to sip on and have conversation and watch sports. Man, what more could you ask for in a beer? Well, that's pretty awesome. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've just experienced the first ever double feature beer review on Fountain City Sports Media, and we are honored to have Kyle back reviewing his first beer and Austin back reviewing his second beer. Uh, so, yeah, Armando, any, any last thoughts on that? You know, I'm just happy to have Kyle back on, Austin contributing. I mean, this is – you couldn't ask for a better Thanksgiving slash Christmas gift for me, I must say. Very happy. Kyle did a great review. I, I don't want you to be nervous anymore, Kyle. I want you to spread your wings Give us for for your next beer review. I, I want you to do like a a cinnamon imperial stout or some just like wacky sour, and I want you to give just like the dankest beer review you can next time. This is the first time you've ever been nice to me on the podcast. It feels weird because this is like the like product prodigal son. You 
you were like, whatever you were doing for the past three months, we don't know. But then you come back and he, and 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 even though Reese is the like better son, I still want to, you know, give you a hug, bring you in, have some turkey, you know, that, some cinnamon okay. imperial stout. You know what I mean? Okay, You're we're always good. welcome. Okay, that's that's enough. We're good. to the debate question yes we can have the goat conversation but let's table the goat conversation but let's have a, a better conversation debate can we safely say that Mahomes is more talented than Tom Brady at his peak go so if I can hop in here right away I have to say using a basketball analogy this has to be what it was like when Michael Jordan came into the NBA and you heard those legends like Magic and Larry saying the praises of Michael the way they did. Not saying they weren't great players and all-time players before Michael. You know, as I, as I mentioned, Magic, Larry, Dr. J, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all those guys. But Michael was the guy that ascended the level of greatness and you were seeing things you hadn't seen before. And that's the way Patrick Mahomes has to be at this point in his young career against all these other guys. The bar has been raised. Patrick doesn't just raise the bar. He is the bar. That's a great take, Reese. I have nothing to add. <laughs> you already here first, guys. <laughs> no, I mean, I I can definitely jump in and, and try to play a little bit of the other side. I mean, Patrick is playing insane football right now. I mean, his, his football IQ is by far high and above everybody else. Looking at Tom Brady, though, and, and the, what he's put together over his number – I can't remember the number of years he's had in the league now, but over his insane number of years in the league, just the consistency. I think the consistency is what we're going to need to see from Patrick to really evaluate it, and it's really a time thing. Um, if he can be as consistent as Brady was during his time with the Patriots all those years, obviously he's off to a bit of a rocky start with the with the Bucks right now and, and Bruce Arians. But that consistency is, I think, what will make him the GOAT in the end. Austin, I'm going to throw a question at you. Do you think that Patrick in his fourth year is more talented than Tom Brady in the undefeated season year or undefeated regular season? I mean, that's a, that's a tough question, but great question. It's a different style of football that you're seeing today. I mean, Patrick is making these insane plays that definitely shows he's more talented, agile, and can make just these ridiculous plays that you'd never expect. While Brady was just this insane pocket passer. I mean, he's well known as that, right? And so I think that Mahomes is having a great year. I mean, if he, if he can lead us to another Super Bowl, I think you can argue this season was better than that season, even with a loss to the lovely Oakland Raiders. Um, but no, I mean, I think, I think Mahomes is having a great year and it's on par right now with Brady's year. We'll, we'll see, we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out though, before we can make the conclusion. Well, if I can jump in on that, it's funny you asked this question, Armando, because my dad texted me this yesterday and I'm not saying my dad's could beat up your dad, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> but my dad is about as like clean of a control group as you can get. He's from Wales he didn't move over into America on a full-time contract until the early 1980s. So he's seen Dan Marino. He's seen John Elway, Brett Favre, you name it to this point. He texted me yesterday and he said, I got to admit, I think Patrick Mahomes looks better than Tom Brady did in his prime right now. Oh, yeah. Well, what I saw in the, in, in the third quarter, tell me, other than 
Tom Brady having zip on the ball. What was different about the third quarter Tom Brady than a normal Tom Brady? He was dinking and dunking to Gronk. He had some goal to goes to Mike Evans that were pretty good. He was accurate. Sometimes he overthrew. But when I was looking at that game, I was like, this is Tom Brady. This is Tom Brady at his peak. Um, other than the zip on the ball. Yeah, like uh, there, there is less zip, but that's what he did his whole career, and he was very good at it, and that's what he did to us in that third quarter and going into the fourth quarter. He was like, screw it. Bruce Arians, I hate your playbook. Gronk, let's just do our two-man game and figure this out. And it worked. And then whenever they blitz, he tried to just like do a bomb go route and sometimes it worked most of the time it didn't work at all but when I was watching the game I was like this is the Tom Brady that we've seen and he cannot compete with Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes just looks so much better just like I was saying getting out of the pocket finding time and then being able to throw like if he's going right he passes left he's looking left he's look he's passing right just these crazy things that I know Tom did that as well in one play he was looking left through right but Tom can't roll to his left and then just with the opposite side of his body throw a 40 yard even in his prime he could not do that like you're right we're seeing crazy things but it, like I said in that third quarter I was like this is Tom Brady this is what he does yeah that's a good take yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I mean, for when Brady got, got going that third quarter, he was definitely in his prime. It's almost like, to make another basketball analogy, it's like when Brady almost takes over as the head coach from Arians and just calls the play. It's kind of like LeBron was doing from Ty, Ty, Tyron Lue with Cleveland, basically being the head coach and the star player. When Brady gets back to what he knows how to do, he has Gronk on that team, who he has chemistry with for years. He can get chemistry with a couple of those receivers and do those quick hit routes I mean, you get back to that old Brady and he looks smooth as ever when, when he can play that kind of football. Well, and that's why I don't think Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. I think there are some things he does that are the greatest of all time. Like, I think he might have the best patience and be the best at reading progressions. But in terms of actual quarterbacking skill, man, I'm sorry. I think he's a system quarterback. And you saw, you know, with Bill Belichick all these years and you're seeing it now with Arians. Like, when he gets to play his system, or, you know, what he's been groomed to do over the span of his career, that's when he flourishes. When you ask Brady to make a comeback like he tried in the beginning of the third quarter and failed with two interceptions, that's when you see kind of like the fault in our stars. Here's a question for you guys, for all of you. If you put yourself in the shoes of the Tampa Bay front office, of the powers that be in Tampa Bay, do you at this point just hand the keys to Brady and say, okay, enough of this conflict with Arians, we're just going to redo this whole system in the way that you know how to play from the Belichick years and just see how far that can get them. I'm going to jump in here and say, I, I, I think that's a good idea. Like it, if I'm the Bucks organization that I am saying, look, we just saw you go up against Super Bowl team and you almost pulled it out with some dink and dunk to Gronk. But Bruce has been going back and forth with Tom the entire season and they've been letting it happen. So I think they're going to give the uh, keys to Bruce Arians. Also, shout out to Ronald Jones, who looked really freaking good. And I know our D line yeah. sucks, but like he looked really good against any any defense. So I think they're going to give Bruce Arian the keys and try to figure out some run scheme, do a run, run play action like Tom Brady loves to do. Um, but it would be, you're right, Kyle. I think it would be smart to say like Tom Brady's like, yo, I've been here a long time. I got some really good receivers. Let me do this. I agree with you both here. 
I think the answer for this year is you go all in and say, Brady, do your thing. And if he can, fantastic. If he can't, dude, this is the thing about Brady. He is 43 now. There is no, well, maybe next year he'll get it figured out. No, next year he's 44. Brady is diminishing marginal returns at this point. And this Tampa Bay team is talented. And I do think they are one very talented quarterback away from being a serious Super Bowl contender. But with Tom Brady right now, do you really see him going through an entire playoffs as a wildcard team, having to play Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona, the Saints, the AFC champion? Is he really going to get through all of those guys the way he's playing right now? I don't think so. But if you want to go all in on him, great. But you got to remember, you got a great young team and you have a pretty good head coach. And that is your future. Yeah. I was going to say, we spent a lot of time here uh, making this a Tampa Bay Bucks uh, podcast. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, actually, okay. So I'm just going to go straight into some more Tampa Bay podcasting. So uh, another reason why I think Patrick Mahomes is way more talented than Tom is that Spags pulled out his old Giants playbook on Tom and was like, I'm going to blitz the hell out of you just like I used to do. And then I'm going to double... I'm going to double cover uh, Chris Godwin and I'm going to double cover uh, Mike Evans. And I'm basically going to force you to either go down the middle or if you find a long shot, which is like super gutsy because Traverius Ward is not good. And he was basically daring. He was daring Tom Brady to throw the long ball, which would never happen for Patrick Mahomes. Even if Patrick Mahomes is 70 years old, you would never dare him to throw the long ball, which is why, like, that whole game, I was like, this looks really embarrassing for Tom. I agree. Charvarius Ward is kind of regressing to what we all on this podcast thought he was, which is maybe a league average starter at corner, which at this point, I think that's looking pretty generous. He had one or two good plays yesterday. All season, dude, hand or no hand, he has been getting burnt. He has been getting destroyed. You know, Bashad Breland, Jarius Sneed, those are the cornerbacks that have been making plays. But every time something bad happens, I'm like, I bet it was Ward. And lo and behold, it probably <laughs> it was. Ward. was. <laughs> oh, and, and remember Sneed's almost pick six? Oh, that would have been like the resurrection of Sneed. It would have like stapled the game. Ah. Oh. Awful. They call him Ward Parkway because everyone wants to drive on him. <laughs> oh, Ren, that was for our Kansas City fans right there. All right, anything else from the game before we do previews? Go ahead and cut that one. That's some <laughs> B-rolls. <laughs> Keep that in. That was good. You missed 100% of the shots on Charvarius Ward that you don't take. All right, anything else you guys want to contribute from the game? If not, we'll... <laughs> now announcing for the Kansas City Chiefs, Charmander Ward. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, the worst starter. <laughs> no, I get. I guess to add one more point into the Mahomes Brady thing. That the question that came to my mind when we were talking about Brady being kind of a one system guy is, what if we plugged Mahomes into someone else's system? I mean, mm-hmm. we've not seen that. I mean, how would how would he fare if you threw him into another there. system? I don't think we. I don't think we can make that that assessment. Obviously, because we haven't seen it. But what if he's not with Andy Reid, not with an offensive minded coach that draws up these absolutely insane plays that? Every game you see something you've never seen done. Um, how, how would he do? I mean, and, and is that a differentiator between him being the greatest quarterback or not? The fact that he can be agile in terms of the playbook. I mean, it's six of one half dozen of another. You know, it's not like Brady had some scrub call on the plays, you know, from the sideline when he was playing. You know, Bill Belichick is cheating or not, arguably a top 10 coach <laughs> of all time, I think. It, no, he is. My whole point is, my whole point was like, what if Mahomes was in Brady's place going to someone like Bruce Arians? Would he, would he succeed? 
It's a good question. Um, no, I mean that. Yeah, you're right. It's a good question, and and I will concede that if Patrick Mahomes did not start his career with Andy Reid, it would be a different type of career. Um, but at the same time, Andy knew from the first time that they had interviewed, he had a six-hour interview with Patrick Mahomes. Andy knew right away that this guy was, you know, something special. Even watching the uh, QB camp with with uh, John Gruden, even John Gruden knows at that time when Pat was probably going to go middle first, lower first when we picked him up at 10, that Pat was doing stuff that no one has ever seen before, which we would still see in a Bucks offense, a Bruce Arians offense. Um, but but to your point, Austin, you are right. I think that pairing is one of a kind, dare I say, even better than Tom and Bill because we haven't seen any any clash zero clash from them and we saw clash from Bill and Tom all the time you know I'm going to dip back into that Chicago Bulls comparison I made one more time and I'm going to say it's like Michael Jordan in his early years with Doug Collins Michael Jordan was still doing the stuff like Armando said that no one had seen before but it was when he was with Phil Jackson that he started winning and that's what I think we'd see if Patrick Mahomes was with Andy Reid. If he was with like a Matt Nagy, if a you know, Chris Peterson, some other like, you know, tier two coach in the league, we'd still be seeing this just like second coming of Brett Favre premium trim package on it. But we wouldn't necessarily be seeing the wins in the Super Bowls. That That's a really good comparison. I like that, Reese. You're right. Absolutely. He'd still be really good. Okay. Closing it out. Crazy. Hashtag crazy. Kyle, I'm going to give this one to you. Give us your Broncos prediction for next week. Even if it's Drew Locke, even if it's Hinton, doesn't matter. Who's what's what's the score? I mean, the Broncos are just a nightmare organization right now. I I don't see us winning that game by less than three touchdowns. I mean, I was pulling up the Vegas line on this game and it's currently sitting at fourteen to the Chiefs. I I I think we cover. I think we cover cover the line as it stands and at the time of recording, um, and we cover. I, I don't. I don't care if it's Drew Locke. I don't care if it's Kendall Hinton. We're going to put up points. They're going to struggle to put up points. That's going to be what's going to happen. I don't care if it's Driscoll. I don't care if it's Chiquita. I don't care if it's Sunkiss or any manner of fruit. There ain't nobody on that Denver team that's going to manage to close that gap of 14 points. I don't think their defense is going to keep us from going off. I don't think their offense is going to wind up putting 24-plus on this team. I'm taking the Chiefs 31-17 right now. Nice. Reese, are you telling me we're about to dole out an L? Oh! <laughs> oh! 31 to 17 is very close to each team's average in scoring Ooh. per game, too. Thank you, Stat Austin. I think we just big brained that entire equation and cracked the Da Vinci code. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like we've either been doing this too long or not long enough. Oh my gosh. Hey, do you guys want to go and like hustle Vegas? Should this be our thing now? We're like the Hustle Vegas podcast. Oh, we don't should. Tempt me, hey, baby. we should we should still put in a uh I don't know how much money you have to put in, but we should start putting in some money, see how much uh see how we do for the rest of the season. Bellagio Fountain, Kansas City Sports Media. I'll make the account tonight. Twist my arm. <laughs> take a take a victory lap. Let me give Kyle a couple more beers. <laughs> oh. After you have a couple more beers, do that. My my prediction is thirty five to seven. We're probably going to have a blown coverage on one play against Charvarius or Melvin Gordon's going to 
find a way because Philip Lindsay's out, I think, for the week. So it's oh. literally just Melvin Gordon. And I know they have um, Devontae. No, not Devontae Freeman. I'm sorry. I forgot Royce. who their third string guy is. Royce Freeman, right? Yeah, Royce Freeman's their, their third stringer who's actually pretty formidable. But uh, it's going to be the Melvin Gordon show. He's probably going to rush like 50 times. He'll 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 find the end zone maybe. Okay, quick prop bet before we leave. Uh, when Drew Locke scores an accidental touchdown, what stupid Fortnite dance does he do this time? <laughs> I don't play Fortnite, so I have no idea. <laughs> I, I couldn't name one of them myself. I think he does that one. What's the one where their arms are at like a 90-degree angle and like the forearms kind of like, go like windshield yeah. wipers? Well, did you know, fun fact, Fortnite steals those dances from people but they but then they mislabel them so that they don't have to pay for the rights of the dances so they're like name something completely different on Fortnite from what they actually are so who knows what the dances are now we're off the rails <laughs> now now we're off the rails it's actually <laughs> yeah, it's Fortnite actually a really interesting we should do a whole investigative journalism on Fortnite stealing dances from people on youtube by the way armando's like hello there fellow kids <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. There you'll find premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Austin, Kyle, and Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Fountain City Sports Media